You're listening to the Body Literacy Podcast, your connection to the art and science of feeling really good body, mind, and spirit. I'm your host and holistic health coach, Jen Mayo. If you've never experienced truth and freedom inside your body, an amazing adventure is about to begin. Healing happens in community. Body literacy is your tribe. Join me in discovering the keys to fearlessly unlocking your body's innate intelligence and resilience. Turn on to the wisdom of your body as we connect your wellness dots by exploring whole person healing from neuroscience and nutrition to sexual health and sleep. Join the wellness revolution and start speaking your body's language. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to the most profound and impactful piece of health technology I've encountered in three decades of navigating my own health challenges. LifeWave is a wearable health technology that uses your own light energy to optimize your health. If you've followed the Body Literacy Podcast for any period of time, you likely already know that I'm a bit of a walking science experiment. I have a passion for exploring how time-honored ancient healing arts can be coupled with modern science and technology to optimize our health, wellness, and vitality, and how we can empower ourselves with the knowledge and optimization of our own onboard wisdom and healing potential rather than viewing the human body as a problem to be solved. LifeWave's phototherapy patches use light to stimulate the body's natural healing systems. By applying LifeWave's non-transdermal patches to specific points on the body similar to acupressure, where the patch covers the skin, infrared light emitted from the body is reflected back into the tissue, stimulating specific regions of the brain and tapping into the body's own flow of energy and the ability to heal itself. LifeWave patches are not intended to treat any specific condition or disease, but rather support the body's own innate healing mechanisms. When we take a holistic approach to health and consider there is really only one state of dis-ease in the body imbalance, rather than the 32,000 diseases defined by conventional medicine, rebalancing the body and supporting our own built-in capacity to heal becomes a journey of ease rather than a frustrating and disempowering struggle to control dis-ease. Energy medicine operates by a different set of rules than material medicine. I talk about experience-based medicine a lot, and LifeWave is simply a therapy you have to take for a test drive to feel the benefits for yourself. To learn more or try them out, just visit genmayo.com LifeWave. On this episode, I'm joined by Layla Centner, Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of Centner Academy in Miami, Florida, a progressive, independent happiness school that combines a deep commitment to emotional intelligence, mindfulness, and happiness with a challenging curriculum featuring language immersion, entrepreneurial thinking, problem-solving, creativity, and collaboration. The Centner Academy's curriculum philosophy was developed by a team of seasoned educators to meet the needs and expectations of globally-minded families. Its intention is to shape future adults who are not only confident and poised to succeed, but who also have the character and skills needed to make the world a better, kinder, and more loving place for all. Layla is on a personal mission to provide a happy, safe environment where kids can be kids. Earlier this year, Layla gained media attention by deviating from CDC recommendations on protocols to be implemented in schools for the mitigation of COVID-19. While some do not agree with the choices she made for her school, others have championed her bravery and going against the mainstream narrative to create a healthy environment for the students at the Centner Academy to thrive rather than just survive. Welcome to the show, Layla. Thank you, Jed. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. I know you are probably very busy preparing for the start of the new school year at the Centner Academy, which is a really world-class 
K through eight, right? Learning facility. Yes. Uh, we're pre-K two to eighth grade. Okay. Right and in two years we open high school. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I feel like you guys are kind of getting a lot of things right that conventional primary and secondary education is really kind of missing the mark on. I don't really want to focus too much on the negative aspects of what's happening in the world right now regarding the COVID-19 situation. I feel like that's already gotten so much attention, but I really want to shed some light on the learning opportunities it can offer us and how your school in particular can lead as an example of creating an environment conducive to creating socially and emotionally well-adjusted kids who are critical, independent thinkers and poised to be the innovators of tomorrow. But before we dive into that sort of silver lining of where I think we could be headed, if enough people continue to question the mainstream media promoted narrative that points to having a lot of sort of ulterior motives. So you ended up in a media firestorm earlier this year for not fully conforming to public health agency recommendations for COVID safety protocols. Can you give us kind of a summary of what happened and why as the administrator of your school, you chose to make choices different than most of the public and many private schools around the United States? So the big media storm was all because I decided to really go against the narrative, go against the propaganda that the media was spewing to the world. Really, a lot of schools are forcing teachers to take the COVID shot. And right. I, I learned that there's a potential impact for unvaccinated individuals to be impacted by people, especially recently vaccinated. So I asked our teachers to not get vaccinated. And the media does what they do best when somebody goes against something that they're saying, they try and attack you. Mm-hmm. And I stood my ground. And at the end of the day, what has come out of this whole situation is we're really just forming an amazing community. We've got parents and teachers and a leadership team that's moving from all across the country to come to our school. Mm -hmm. And we are just going to be an amazing school that's a lot more aligned. We are a very holistic school that believes in the power of our body, Mm -hmm. the power of our immune system. Our our school lunch is gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free. Our kids don't eat any processed foods. It's all organic, no GMOs. Wow. Our Curriculum is focused on mind, body, and soul. So, you know, our school, our kids meditate every day. They do sound bowl healing. They, it's, it's, it's very much into social emotional learning. And it's just, unfortunately, the COVID shot, especially since we're in the experimental phase, there's so much unknown. No one even knows really what all the ingredients are. And then on top of it, you have all the deaths and the injuries that are happening because of it. We're building a community that's really all about believing in our immune system. Right. That's great. And that's great that you've been willing to stand up. Did you have some pushback from parents in your school that weren't happy about what happened with the media frenzy? Oh, absolutely. I had some parents that were very upset and they're no longer with the school. But since then, we've attracted parents from all over the country who are a lot more in alignment and who are actually frustrated with their schools for their school's policies. So what I tell people is our school is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Our school is for people who are aligned. And that's why you we live in a free country where you have choices. Yeah. And I think parents should be where they're more comfortable. You know, when we reopened in September 8, coming off of, you know, the lockdown, mm-hmm. I did things very differently starting 
with school reopening, I did not mandate masks, even though everywhere in the world there were mandating masks for children, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I did my own research. I studied the data. I studied, you know, I understood the size of the holes in a mask. I understood how masks can collect bacteria and be very dirty for kids and harmful for their health. And I decided to make it an option. Mm-hmm. Well, I took a lot of heat for that as well. I had parents who pulled their kids out of the school because they said, I'm putting their kids in danger. The, I had teachers quit because they had panic attacks being around kids without masks. And I'm really a, a school that's all about not living in fear, not walking around feeling like somebody who has no symptoms whatsoever is going to give you something and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way to live. Yeah. And so I didn't socially distance the kids. I didn't put plexiglass around their desks. I really just wanted them to be kids. And they were very happy. They had a great year. Um, Everything was pretty amazing up until the media firestorm uh, that caused a lot of disruption. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think everything is happening the way it needs to happen. And the new community that's coming in, in addition to our community that decided to stay and support our decisions, we're just, we're going to be that much stronger from it. Mm -hmm. And it's just fun that we're going to just be all going forward in the same direction with what we did is what we're trying to teach our kids. Don't blindly follow, be a critical thinker. Don't live in fear and you can't worry about what other people are telling you. You need to make the decision that's right based on the information that you have in front of you, you know, and since all of this, there's been so many new studies that have come out, studies showing the amount of carbon dioxide you're breathing in by wearing a mask, studies that are showing the amount of bacteria that that are in these masks from wearing them for eight hours a day, right? You know, the study in Germany that showed 25,000 kids that all had something happen to them from wearing the mask, not all of them, but 68% of them. And there were things like headaches and dizziness and tiredness. All of these things have been proven. Mm-hmm. So why are schools starting the school year in masks again? It's beyond my imagination. I mean, thankfully we live in Florida where I'm hearing that our governor is about to sign an executive order. That's not going to force the masks mm-hmm. and that's going to make it optional. I don't understand why every state doesn't do that. Right, right. It's insanity to force a kid to wear a mask for eight hours a day. And I'm telling more parents, you must stand up for your kids and fight back. Exactly, exactly. You cannot sit back and just let it happen. Yeah. And I'll share a little bit of a personal story on that as well from my own perspective. My children are in public schools. My son has passed out twice wearing masks at school and paramedics were called both times. He hit the floor. We're incredibly lucky that he didn't hit his head in the wrong place. He did bust his lip on one of those occasions. And for clarification, I don't think the mask in and of itself caused him to pass out. However, If you're already not feeling well, that may be the tipping point that throws somebody over. And he's never passed out for any other reason prior to this. Certainly, you know, not wearing a mask. So I think this is something that most parents need to take more seriously and start taking into account, giving themselves credit for trusting their own experience 
and for trusting the experiences of their friends and neighbors rather than looking to government agencies alone to give them permission to do whatever they feel is right and in alignment with their own values. And I think what I hear you saying is that despite the fact there was some pushback with some parents, this has provided kind of an opportunity for people to come together and align their values. And your school seems to be attracting people who have those values that you share. That's 100% it, you know, it's, it's, look, I don't judge the parents for want to put their wanting to put their kids in masks for eight hours a day. That's their business, but don't come to my school and tell me that I have to make all the other kids wear a mask for eight hours a day. Right. For their comfort, for their comfort and their safety. I'm sorry, but if you don't feel safe, stay at home. Right. Right. My job is not to make you feel safe by harming another individual. Yeah, that's not fair because I'll tell you, we had kids come to our office with headaches, dizziness, nauseous. All the kids that were wearing a mask mm-hmm. were the ones that were having the issues. And 100 percent right. of the time when the kids filled up, the parents filled up the mask exemption form, sent them to school the next day, their symptoms disappeared. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, of course, fainting from a mask is possible. Was was your child outside running, doing athletics in a mask? Nope. <laughs> Just breathing in a classroom. Well, just think about it. Right. He's breathing in carbon dioxide. It's been proven on a piece of paper that showed the increased levels of carbon dioxide. He's not breathing in fresh oxygen. I wear a mask for 15 minutes and I'm I'm having a horrible headache. I don't know how a child does it for eight hours a day. And it's just, it's not fair. And, you know, I sent you the link to a, a PowerPoint presentation that I did which if you send it out to your viewers, they can click the links and basically send emails out to their politicians. Okay. That basically says no to the masks and demands the masks stop. But it also gives them all the resources and the data that we have that supports kids not wearing masks. Right. So they can use that to go and talk to other parents as well as talk to their schools, their school boards. I mean, if every... If more parents stood up for their kids, this would stop. The problem is too many people aren't saying anything or too many people think it's actually good. Right. They're like, oh, my kid's fine. My kid's not complaining. Well, you know what? Your kid is probably just happy to be out of the house. Right. (laughs) They're not going to play complain because they're going to be afraid they have to go back to online schooling. And that's not fair. It's not fair to them. Right. And I I think there's a social component to that too, that even if a kid has an exemption, if it's in a school where everybody else is wearing masks, they're not going to want to stand out because that just makes them feel separate from the other kids that they're with. So even if they have the opportunity to not wear it, I think there's still some social issues involved with the bureaucracy of the schools that are making that challenging for those kids to interact in the way that they should. So, yeah, um, I mean, even even at our school where the majority of the kids did not wear a mask, I had a few parents say my child feels uncomfortable because she's the only one wearing a mask. Yeah. Yeah. It goes both ways. I understand that. But so you want me to make the rest of the kids suffer? I just that's not fair. Right. Right. And just for clarification, because your school is almost kind of a, a microcosm that I think certain government agencies would prefer that you didn't provide a contrary example. So your kids mostly were not wearing masks and did not follow the social distancing protocols. Did you have different or poor 
COVID outcomes because of that? No, we had the same number of COVID cases as other schools, something Mm -hmm. similar. We had a peak in November and then it just dropped off and pretty much disappeared. It went dropped. We had maybe one in January and we had, I think, another one in April. So it just, you know, it followed a curve. And most of the kids that got it didn't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. We had one child that threw up. Mm-hmm. None of our kids went to the hospital. None of our teachers went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they all recovered. All right. And it sounds like you already had certain nutritional protocols in place that may have been already supporting people's immune systems in a way that were more favorable than maybe the general public. Yeah. So we were very, very much focused on the immune system. Um, there are kids, they're, they're not allowed to even bring sugar to school. They only drink water from an amazing filter water machine that we have. Right. They do PE five times a week. Mm-hmm. So we really are focused on their health, their well-being, keeping their immune system strong. So that way, if they do get COVID, they can fight it off. Right. Right. All right. And your school is private, so it probably has a little more latitude in the choices it makes with regards to its policies related to COVID-19. But what we're seeing here in Michigan is that a lot of parents statewide were willing to go along with state and public health agency recommendations and protocols initially. But moving into this new school year, I think many parents are angry and frustrated with the prospect of students being forced back into masks, either initially or at some point, and the potential of mandated or coerced vaccinations for students in order to be able to continue attending school. Some states already have mandates for the standard childhood vaccination schedules that even exclude religious exemptions in some cases. From an administrator's perspective, what advice can you give parents who are trying to navigate communicating parents' rights to school districts and ignite a local movement that empowers parents to make the best choices for their own families? Well, I, I've been encouraging parents if you if you're if you have to go to a school and they're having these these rules that are potentially going to endanger your child, such as forcing them to get the vaccine, forcing them to wear a mask for eight hours a day. And it goes further than that, really indoctrinating them with this critical race theory, you know, or getting encouraging this racism within school and teaching this division. Pull your child out. Mm-hmm. And if you can't homeschool, then form a pod with other parents that are like-minded. I mean, I've been hearing amazing stories of pods being formed all over the country where it started with five kids, then went to 10 kids. Now it's 80 kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're at an age where they're young. They need to be with each other. They need connection. They need companionship. And parents can be creative and figure out how to do this by pulling their kids out of the system that's harming their children. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a parent, we work so hard to protect them. I could not imagine saying, here's my child. And my child goes to a school where they're being told, put your mask up, put your mask up, put your Mm -hmm. mask up, you know, be six feet apart, stay in your plexiglass. I mean, just thinking about about it gives me anxiety. Can you imagine (laughs) a little child? experiencing that, put your mask up, put your mask up, put your, I just like, you know, and I had a kid tell me, like she shared with me her story and how she feels. And my, my heart hurts for her because it's not fair for a child to be in constant fight or flight. 
Yeah. And on on that note, my training is in trauma-informed holistic health. So I kind of approach all matters of health with how being in extended states of fight, flight, or freeze negatively impacts all systems of the body. And we know that fear and stress have a profoundly negative impact on the strength of the immune system in particular. Unfortunately, there's not a good way to measure that in an empirical way, like you would with blood pressure or heart rate or something. How did you factor, you know, that fight or flight aspect into the decisions you made regarding policies you put into place at your school? Well, I I had learned from doctors that I spoke to that keeping the mask on keeps them in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so I just knew it was something that I couldn't do. And so when I walk around the school, I never wore a mask. Mm-hmm. And the kids would look at me, you know, they were just like, hmm, she's fine wearing masks. And then slowly more and more people, more and more kids, more and more teachers were not wearing a mask. And sometimes kids would ask me questions and I would say, you know, I work out, I eat healthy. I'm focused on my body. I'm focused on my immune system. Right. And most importantly, I can't walk around here being afraid of something mm-hmm. because if I'm afraid, it's only going to hurt my immune system more. Right. And so the only thing I could do is lead by example and hope that when these kids go home, their parents are teaching them to critically think and to ask questions. And what are the size of the holes on these masks compared to the size of a virus? I mean, there's basic math that can be done so a kid can analyze, are these masks really protecting me? Mm-hmm. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from today's show to tell you about my favorite magnesium supplement, Remag by RNA Reset. Unfortunately, the nutrient density of food is so much lower due to depleted soil that getting enough key nutrients from even organic food is difficult in our modern industrialized times. Magnesium is in my list of top five must-take supplements because it's vital to so many functions in the body and can be pivotal in overcoming a wide range of chronic ailments. I often talk about how stress is a root cause of most chronic conditions. The links between magnesium and stress are astounding and magnesium deficiency is associated with higher stress levels. Magnesium deficiency is linked with fibromyalgia, autogenic stress, physical stress, photosensitive headaches, and chronic fatigue syndrome. Well-absorbed magnesium can also help lower blood pressure, help with chronic inflammation, prevent migraines, and improve insulin resistance, anxiety, and depression. Magnesium is a key nutrient in thyroid function and for the production of thyroid hormones. Remag by RNA Reset uses stabilized picometer magnesium ions that absorb completely at the cellular level. With Remag, the magnesium goes to your cells where it is needed most. RNA Reset is a trusted brand that is passionate about true health. You can find Remag on Jen's Favorite Things link at jenmayo.com. Be sure to use the coupon code jenmayo at checkout for 10% off of your purchase. And now back to today's episode. You kind of already talked about the nutritional things that are going on at your school that are very different, certainly than what we see in the public school system. And one of the the many things that stuck out for me about the Sentner Academy is that it sounds like you're actually teaching the gut brain connection and reinforcing cultivating healthy brains through the food that's served in your cafeteria. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that came to be and how you're kind of incorporating educating parents and students on how 
how the health of our guts are impacting our brains and consequently the behavior of the students. Yeah, exactly what you said, basically. <laughs> but how I figured this out, how I figured this out is my nephew, who was three and a half years old at the time, was diagnosed with autism. He had moved, I had moved him from California to Miami to figure out what in the world happened. Long story short, his poor little body was pumped up with all sorts of vaccines by the time he was two years old because his mother was on welfare and basically forced to give her child all of these shots, including two flu vaccines. Mm -hmm. And so at three and a half years old, he could barely speak. He just had all sorts of issues. So I went to a specialist who, who knows how to heal the brain and heal the gut and has helped reverse autism on many, many families. He's been doing this for 40 years. The name of the clinic was Family Hope Center. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a child 40 years ago who was severely brain injured from uh, a vaccine. And so he then went on a quest to figure out how to heal her. And so he did. When she was 35, she ended up getting her PhD. And his life purpose, as well as his wife, has been to help other families. So he has he had a doctor working for his clinic that basically taught all about nutrition mm -hmm. and gut health and brain health. And they basically said the most important thing to start the healing process for him is to get him off all sugar, all processed foods, all gluten, mm -hmm. you know, no GMOs and focus on a, a protein vegetable diet. Mm -hmm. And I saw within 30 days of implementing that diet, I saw instant changes. Yeah. I saw a kid who would, you know, hit and scream and have these horrible tantrums to a kid that started to calm down. Mm -hmm. Obviously there was a lot more to it that we had done. We did, we, we did brain exercises, we did all sorts of things. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this kid's transformation and I'm going, Oh my God, this must be the foundation, part of the foundation of our school. You know, a lot of kids that have issues, ADHD, different issues, part of it is food. Right. And I think people don't realize how harmful gluten is or how harmful processed foods are with all the chemicals and the food coloring and all the things that are going into our kids' stomach, which are impacting their gut. It's impacting their brain. And so some kids can't focus. They can't concentrate. They're, they're just all over the place. And so I was like, if I don't have this right, how can I do anything else right? Right. And so that between that and mindfulness and the sound bowl healing and the teaching, uh, you know, social emotional really became the foundation of our school. Right. Right. And are you seeing, do you feel like you're seeing fewer behavioral problems in that environment than say regular public schools are? Absolutely. I mean, we also have a brain program where we take the kids to do brain exercises. Wow. You no. Know, so yeah, we've, you know, we've had kids that we've completely transformed completely mm -hmm. transformed. And then I have a separate brain school for kids that can't necessarily be in the normal classroom. These are for kids under five mm -hmm. and we do heavy brain work and educating the parents on the nutrition and they do brain exercises. I mean, it's just a program to be able to feed back into school mm -hmm. and, and it's been doing very well as well. Nice. Nice. I love that. So I feel like we're kind of seeing parallels happening in education, government, industry, and mainstream medicine right now, where 
it's kind of like once a system reaches a certain size, the leaders and administrators of those systems seem to be people who have been kind of groomed to follow a chain of command and not question it. From my perspective, that's not leadership at all. I'm seeing a lot of people who are fearful of losing their jobs if they don't comply with the mainstream narrative or surrender their personal autonomy. I guess it goes back to the leading by example point that you were making earlier and that when kids are witnessing the adults that they look up to in their lives, whether it be in education or in medicine or government and all the things we're seeing on mainstream media and television, when we're seeing sort of more of an authoritarian structure where the leader or the so-called leaders aren't necessarily questioning things that are going on and are just following a chain of command, how do you think that's setting kids up um, in terms of, you know, just what they're ex- experiencing internally and their sense of self and where that will lead them into their own ideas of leadership going into adulthood? I mean, it's a great question. It's probably the number one reason why I decided that I need to stand up for these kids and lead by example and not just follow what all the other schools are doing. The best way to do this is to teach them role modeling. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I mean, what we are doing to kids, what the world is doing to kids is they're teaching them to be obedient, mindless little beings Mm -hmm. by them seeing that what their parents and their schools are doing. They're thinking that, you know, must follow the government. Mm -hmm. I came in and said, no, I'm not going to follow the CDC guidelines. First of all, who's the CDC and how do these guidelines make any sense at all? And I stood up and I said, no, and I did it differently and I fought for it and I stood my ground. And that's what other school owners need to do. Mm -hmm. Many of them are cowardly. And I say that word with all my heart following these guidelines because they're afraid to be called out. They're afraid to be sued. They're afraid that there are going to be parents that are going to be irate with them. Mm-hmm. My job is not to make parents happy. My job is to focus on the well-being of their children. Mm-hmm. And if my focus is not in alignment with them, then, then my school is not right for them. Right. My school right. is not right for a parent who believes their child needs to be in a mask for eight hours a day. My school is not right for you. My school is not right for a parent who believes we need to scare these kids into believing that if they aren't wearing a mask, that they're going to kill their grandma. This is not the right school for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I want these kids to be kids and I want them to be free from this ridiculous responsibility that they're putting on our children. Right. My daughter, I have two daughters, six and three years old. They got COVID. They didn't even know it. Right. <laughs> I told them after the fact. I'm like, and I didn't even test them for it. I, I knew it because everybody else around us got it. Right. I'm like, you know what? You had COVID. I'm like, oh, I did. Why didn't you tell me? Because it, it wasn't a big deal. Right. And I didn't need to scare you. It was for you. It was just like another cold. For right. others, it's worse. But that's if you're not healthy. That's if you're older and you have comorbidities. And that's according to the CDC data. Mm -hmm. The CDC data clearly said on their website, 
94% of the people that got COVID had 2.9 more or more comorbidities. Right. When I called one of the children's hospitals near our house and spoke with their chief pediatric immunologist, he said that the only kids that were impacted that had COVID really hard were the kids that had comorbidities and or had obesity. Mm-hmm. So I knew that my child had nothing to worry about per the data and per what I saw with my own eyes, 99.9974% survival rate. That's what kids have. Right, right. So why let a child walk around with that burden? It's not right. Exactly. And I think this term population medicine is really a misnomer. It kind of throws everyone into the same bucket and treats us as if we're all equal in terms of our health status and does not take into account lifestyle factors and certainly traumatic factors. And I know, you know, especially with what we were seeing with the African-American community initially, again, I think that group in particular was thrown into this bucket and made to think that, well, maybe they were entirely just genetically predisposed to having more complications when in fact, we've got communities that have experienced far more trauma than other communities and the way that impacts their immune systems and their nervous systems and the regulation of how all body systems and the endocrine system works together is not equal, you know, and there certainly is an inequality there that I don't think is being addressed in mainstream media, whereas we're trying to relegate that to blaming genetics, which I don't believe is the case at all. And certainly those communities don't have access to the same types of nutritional opportunities that some other communities do. And that's something that I think has been exploited in trying to convince certain populations that maybe they're maybe even more encouraged to partake in certain health protocols being pushed by mainstream establishments, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, when you go into a person's home and you open their shelves and see what they're eating, right? There are a lot of foods in your cabinet that can contribute to a weak immune system. Yeah, absolutely. And if that's what you're putting into your body and you're faced with a virus, a cold, the flu, whatever, you're not going to be able to fight that off as well as somebody who eats very clean and is not stuffing processed foods in their mouth all day long or eating McDonald's every day. Right. Right. I mean, I, I used to be that kid. I used to be that kid that ate very unhealthy and I was sick all the time. It wasn't until I learned about healthy eating, which by the way, it does not need to be expensive. I mean, these days you can set up your own garden in your backyard and grow, you know, enough fruits and vegetables to feed yourself. Right. Right. So can't blame it on, money. If you, if there is a will, there is a way to figure out how to eat healthy. And and I had to figure out as a child without money myself. Yeah. And I think it all just comes back to what, what you value. And, you know, certainly some people make complaints that eating organic or eating clean foods is much more expensive, but are still allocating their financial resources to things that, you know, maybe aren't so healthy. So it's all about what, where we choose to spend our money. You know, and there are certainly other avenues for gaining access to food, but there are still communities that have food deserts and things where it is access is is challenging. And that's, that's a bigger systemic problem that I don't think is being addressed, certainly in the mainstream, which is largely boiled down to the only solution out of this is, is a vaccine. 
which is unfortunate, but I think we do have more parents and community members who are seeking out information on their own instead of relying on what's available in mainstream media, which, which is funded by and large by their sponsors, which is, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of those are pharmaceutical companies. So that's unfortunate, but what do you think the role of fostering curiosity, imagination, and critical independent thought is in creating the leaders of tomorrow? I I think it's critical. I mean, imagine, you know, that commercial from Apple, the 1984 commercial where they're all walking like robots in a line. You remember that commercial? (laughs) I don't remember it, but. (laughs) I mean, it's if we continue down the path of not teaching our kids to be critical thinkers, they're going to be robots that are completely controlled and very easily manipulated down the road. Have you, have you read the book by Napoleon Hill outwitting the devil? No. Mm-mm. Oh gosh. This is an incredible book. I actually okay. just finished reading this book. I, I read it a couple of weeks ago and I'm highlighting everything. Cause I'm like saying OMG on every page and wow on every page, because he's having this conversation with the devil. Not really. It's just, you know, figuratively metaphor. He wrote yeah. this book in 1938 and it wasn't published until 2011. Mm-hmm. And He's basically asking the devil candid questions. And he comes up with this interview because he interviewed 500 people that succeeded and thousands of people that failed. So that's how he was able to think, you know, it's, it's, it's very witty. Okay. Um, And it's not a religious book at all, but what the book, what the moral of the story is the school systems are destroying our kids because they're teaching them to be non thinkers. Right. When you are a non-thinker, you are easily controlled. You are easily brainwashed. You are easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. When you are easily manipulated, the evil forces can take you down a path mm-hmm. where destruction is in- inevitable. You know, and some of the tools that are used to bring non-thinkers on, down the wrong path is fear. Yeah. And it's done through propaganda. It's done through the media. It's done through leaders that are really dictators that are controlling millions of people through fear. Yeah. And so the only way to fix that is to turn our next generation into critical thinkers, which schools are not doing. And I don't understand why they're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we are going to ruin the next generation because they are going to go take our country down the wrong path. Look at some of the countries that have fallen. It's because their youth took the country down that path because the youth was brainwashed to believe whatever their dictator at the time, look at Cuba, you know, he was promising all this nonsense that didn't make any logical sense. But because the youth, they were not critically thinking about what was being said and they were controlled through fear and propaganda. Look at Cuba now. Right. Right. And so we live in this great, beautiful country that I love. And I want to teach our kids the beauty of our country and why they should love it. And yes, there are things that are wrong, but, but the only way to fix something that's wrong is if you have a love for it. Right. If you have a hate for it, you go into to anger and destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my philosophy is, Let's get back to understanding our constitution. Let's get back to understanding why our country was founded on what it was founded and why 
people from all over the world are trying to come to our country. Why? Right. What is unique about our country? What has happened to the other countries that have fallen? Let's analyze it from the beginning when they were successful. Analyze every step of the way to where they are now. Do you see anything similar about what's happening in our country? Do we want to be where they're at, where they are at? Right. Right. Or do we want to do something as we, the people, to protect our great nation from falling into the wrong bucket? Mm -hmm. To lose the amazing freedom that we have right here, right now. Do we want to lose our democracy? Step by step, inch by inch, Mm -hmm. our basic freedoms are being taken from us. And it's a test. Every step of the way is a test. I refuse to wear a mask. If more people refuse to wear a mask, they can't take that freedom away. You know, the more we say no, the more we don't comply, the more we can take back our power. And, and I tell people, don't blindly trust any politician. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. Think with your own brain. Exactly. And if you're a diehard Republican and your politician is not doing something that's in alignment with what you think is right, do something about it. Don't just follow because you're following your politician. Right. Same thing if you're a Democrat. You know, what, what JFK stood for before he was assassinated might not necessarily be what these guys are standing for. So think, use your exactly. own brain to decide. Don't just follow because your parents were, you know, Democrats or, or Republicans. And so that's what you're going to be. And you're just going to follow and you're just going to vote that way. Every right. person is different. I think that's a good point you you made is to really look at your party. If you belong to a party, I consider myself politically homeless at this point. And to really critically think about what the individuals in the party are saying and do those align, like you said, with Democrats or Republicans from 50 years ago, because I think both of those parties have really undergone transformations, maybe not in a good way in recent times. And if we're still aligning with one, just because that's what we've always done, that may not really be the the case. And I'm even starting to see some people in more mainstream circles that may be identified one way or the other and seem to be fuzzy or not really on board with what that party has been telling them all along. Yeah. And you know, the sad part about where we are today is too many corporations are running politicians. Mm -hmm. They have basically funded them you know, through lobbying, whatever efforts, and those politicians have become puppets of different corporations. Right. Right. And so you have to, it's all about we, the people, the government should work for us. And if they're not representing us well and doing right by us, then it's time for them to be replaced. Yeah. And we need people that are going to fight for us, but we, the people should not just be sitting here waiting. Yeah. Otherwise, it could be too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of events happening around the COVID situation are bringing kind of light to shortcomings in what I have come to call Walmart medicine. And maybe even the same sort of box store analogy can be made on education, too, as we've just seen large public school systems become bigger and more cohesive and following certain doctrines of teaching just for a test, if you will. I think that doctors and teachers are being kind of stripped of their ability to passionately engage in their work because 
they're systemically just required to participate in these institutional conventions that may not necessarily be in the best interest of their patients and students. And I feel like even though they originally got into that profession because they were so passionate about medicine or education that that's gotten lost and they're just part of a system that they can't reap the rewards of really engaging with the people they signed up to help anymore. And it kind of just seems like once a system becomes too large, it takes on a life of its own. And then that's kind of irrespective of what the individual humans in it are made up of and, and leading those massive systems they can't even see that they're really part of the problem. Clearly what we've been doing just isn't working. How do you think educators like yourself are trailblazing a radical paradigm shift in education, medicine, business, and government? Well, I think somebody told me this, actually, do you know, Dr. Larry Pilevsky? Uh-huh. We were having this conversation. He's like, Layla, we cannot fix the system. It's too broken. Uh-huh. He's like, what you're doing is right. You're creating your own system. You're creating your own community. And so same thing in the medical world. You know, we're going to have to create our own community Mm -hmm. where you can go to a doctor that's more in alignment. That's not going to rush to just fill out a prescription, you know? So, so it's really about creating parallel universe or, or just different communities that are a lot more in alignment with what we want, because at the end of the day, I can't snap my fingers and fix the school system, but I can create my own. Exactly. That's right for our community. Mm-hmm. And I think more people need to do this. They need to create their own communities. I mean, I, I, I think a lot about the Amish and I'm like, you know, these people had it right. They knew exactly what they were doing. They're like, we're not going to play in your game. Mm-hmm. We're going to create our own community and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. Totally self-sufficient. We don't need you. We don't want your medications. We don't want your vaccines and they're succeeding. Yeah. And so that's what the world needs to do. Right. Stop waiting for someone to save us, save ourselves, start growing your own food, you know, start being self-sufficient, do whatever you can to be off the grid so that way you don't need to conform to their nonsense. Yeah, that's that's excellent advice. And I do think we're starting to see more of these niche communities and things pop up in medicine where we've got more doctors who are leaving the insurance model because it's not allowing them to practice medicine in alignment with the way that they can serve their patients and same in, in education and, and some business models where communities like the one that you've started at the Sentner Center uh, or Academy are really creating a place that people can be attracted to. And like you said, I think you've got people who are probably traveling across the country to come participate in your school because where they were before wasn't in alignment with their own values. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, we are, we bought 32 acres ourselves, and we are building a farm. Oh, wow. And we're building a farm so we can feed our school we can feed our community. We can get the kids back in touch with the soil and old school. And we're going to have, you know, training there that's going to teach parents how to grow their own food in their own backyard. We're just, we really want to teach people to be self-sufficient. Sure. Sure. And I think the only way to do that is just, again, to lead by example Mm -hmm. and to have a facility that allows them to learn how to do this. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, it sounds like you're making great strides and we really appreciate your setting and example for parents and teachers and and school systems, hopefully that may be tuning into the things you've been doing. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you think parents who are listening might find valuable as they continue to navigate this challenging world as we head into the new school year? No, I mean, I would just say if you can uh, include the green med info link, Okay, uh, that's the stand for health freedom and has a presentation that I gave But when they sign up to register, the email goes to the politicians about the masks, but they also get all of our resources. Okay. So if you can send that out, that way they can be equipped with information to fight back and don't sit back and allow your schools to mask your children next year, fight back, get other parents to see the wrong in this and and really stand up for your kids. That would be my biggest message. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Layla, thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you the best as you're heading into the new school year. Thanks, Jen. Appreciate it. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any statements and views expressed by myself or my guests are not medical advice. The opinions of guests are their own and the Body Literacy Podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. If you have a medical problem, please consult a qualified and competent medical professional. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Body Literacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and sign up for updates over at genmayo.com. 